Lucy prepared for her first visit to the Pentagon to meet her husband's co-workers with great care. She chose a fitted green cotton skirt with her best lighter green blouse. She had washed her hair the day before and left it up in pin curls until just before she left the apartment. She put in a silver hair clip that pulled one side of her hair behind her ear. The children were dressed as though they were going to church. Lucy sat on one side of the bus and the children on the other. Lucy's seatmate was a black man who was reading the Washington Post. He had on a business suit and tie, the first colored man she had ever seen in anything but work clothes. About midway across Memorial Bridge, the bus driver called out, Crossing the Virginia Line! Lucy wondered if she was supposed to do something about the pronouncement when the black man beside her got up and went to sit in the back of the bus. She couldn't figure that out. In the district where they lived, there was a large apartment building across Queen Street filled with black renters. And the nicest person she had met there was a colored lady who lived in the cottage next door. Now suddenly, the Negroes had to go to sit in the back of the bus. She looked out the front window to see the bus was approaching the great white mansion on the hill where Robert E. Lee had lived with slaves serving his family. But the Lee mansion looked out across the Potomac River toward the magnificent Lincoln Memorial, whose occupant, in the end, was triumphant in freeing those black people. She and the children blinked when they finally faced the Pentagon head-on and got their first look at its size. John was right. Nothing could prepare a visitor for the first sight of it. They were speechless for a moment. And then Josie said, How will we ever find Daddy? Lucy held a twin with each hand and followed the other passengers up a flight of stairs. Coming out into a vast room, she just stood and stared. The twins were struck dumb. Then they all started to walk slowly along, gaping at the huge columns and the shiny floor that seemed to stretch to the end of the world. They found the reception desk. Each visitor was required to have a security badge and an escort to go up into the office areas of the building. John was waiting at the entrance of the ramp, leading to his office. When his family entered the office, the secretary stood up and greeted them, smiling at the children and then staring at Lucy for a minute before welcoming her. Colonel Tappan and Captain Atterbury came out of the colonel's office. After a minute or two, just looking at Lucy, Colonel Tappan approached her with a smile and his hand outstretched. Both men said complimentary things to Lucy about her children, but she noticed that they scarcely looked at the children and kept glancing at her. She wondered if her lipstick was smeared or if they thought her clothes identified her as a hick from Arkansas. Colonel Tappan began talking to Lucy about the shops on the concourse. Lucy agreed with the colonel that the shops were lovely, then turned to the woman. She chatted with them about her impressions of Washington. When it was time to leave the office, she turned to the two officers, offered her hand, and said how nice it was to have met them, the perfect Southern lady. After John took his family back down to the concourse, Colonel Tappan expressed his amazement over John Merritt's wife. Scarlet O'Hara in a short skirt, observed the colonel to the captain. Who would have thought? Not that Merritt isn't a nice-looking guy, 
Wow. His wife. I had her pictured as a barefoot girl from a backward state who ironed Merritt's shirts all day. Colonel Tappan waited for Atterbury to weigh in about the attributes of the surprisingly pretty girl from Arkansas. But Atterbury murmured in agreement and then turned back to the papers on his desk. He didn't trust himself to discuss Lucy Merritt. When he first looked at her, he felt like he was back in an airplane that had just hit an air pocket. His stomach dropped to his knees and he couldn't think of anything to say. He just stared at her and was grateful that Merritt did not seem to notice. Atterbury recalled the green eyes that seemed the same color as the blouse she was wearing, and the long brown hair caught back behind a small ear.